Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are starting into a brand new series of sermons called The Promised Land. And throughout the series, we're going to be exploring how the people of Israel were finally able to enter into the Promised Land after being stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. And in this first sermon, that's really what we're going to be focusing in on, how we can get unstuck. Now, it's been said that fear is the glue that keeps us stuck in place, but faith is the solvent that sets us free. And in this episode sermon, we're going to see that what the people of Israel needed to remember in order to overcome their fears and get unstuck was to remember that God was with them. So let's get right into this episode sermon and see how it happened. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we're told that there is a time for everything and a season under the sun for every activity. Well, today at Melbourne Heights, we have come to the end of a season in the life of our church. And that's because back in September of 2020, we finalized the sale on our old church building. So 18 months ago, when we reached a point in the pandemic where we felt like it was safe to resume offering in-person worship services again, we became a portable church. And that means that for the last 18 months, every Sunday morning for the last 18 months, we've had to have members of our church show up early and stay late to set up everything that we need to have a worship service in a space that's not our own. Well, it's nice to know those days are slowly coming to an end, that we're slowly going to be able to put them behind us. But as we come together and we start worshiping today, and then we look back over the last 18 months, I think that every one of us can agree that, the, that our time as a portable church has been a mixed blessing for us. I mean, it has definitely been a blessing for us that we have been able to be in a place where we could worship God together in person, especially after we spent the first year of the COVID pandemic worshiping on the other side of computer screens. But at the same time, even though we've had a place where we can worship, we haven't felt like we've had a place where we can plant roots and settle in. And it's been a blessing for us over the last 18 months to see so many people inside of our church grow in their faith and in their relationship with God and to start serving God in brand new ways. But at the same time, we've seen other people who have walked away from our church because being a portable church didn't feel like being a real church to them. We've been blessed over the last 18 months that we've been able to minister to and serve our community as all of us have struggled to come out of this pandemic. But at the same time, we also realize there's more work, more ministry that God is calling us to do. But in spite of all of the blessings and all of the struggles that have gone along with being a portable church, as we worship together today, this season in the life of our church is almost over. Next Sunday, we begin a new season in the life of our church as we enter into our new church home at 11,003 Bluegrass Parkway to start worshiping together there. And this is an exciting time in the life of our church because we know when we move into our new church home that we're going to have a place where we can settle down and we can establish our roots. When we move into our new church home, we know that we're going to be in a place where everything that we do as a church it happen under one roof again. As we move into our new church home, we know that we're going to be in a place where we can be the people that God has called us to be and we can do the ministry that God has called us to do. 
So in many ways, as we worship together today, we are on the cusp of entering into our own promised land. But what do I mean when I say that? What do I mean when I say that we're on the cusp of entering into our own promised land? What exactly is the promised land? Well, in the Bible, the term promised land specifically refers to the land that God promised to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants. The place that God would use Abraham and his descendants to be a great blessing to all the peoples and all the nations of the earth. But when I talk about our promised land, I'm not talking about some plot of land out there that belonged to our ancestors. When I talk about our promised land, what I'm talking about is the place that we can be who God calls us to be as a church. The place where we can do the work and the ministry that God calls us to do. So for us, our promised land is where God will use us to bless our community. Our promised land is where God will use us to bless our community. But if you are at all familiar with the story of Abraham and Abraham's descendants, the people that we refer to as the people of Israel, then you'll know that their journey to the promised land wasn't always an easy one. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring the story of how the people of Israel returned to and entered into the promised land so that we can learn from the difficulties they had along the way. And their struggles started just a few generations after God had initially led Abraham to the promised land. And that's because just a few generations after God led Abraham to the promised land, there was a severe famine that broke out all across the promised land. So there wasn't any food for the people of Israel to eat. So they had to make a difficult decision. They decided that they had to leave the land that God had promised them so that they, they could go to a place where they would have food to eat. So Abraham's descendants went down to Egypt. And when Abraham's descendants, when the people of Israel left the promised land, they didn't realize it. But it would be a long, long time before they were able, would be able to return. And that's because when the people of Israel made it down to Egypt, eventually they ended up being enslaved by the Egyptians. They would be enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. And even after God set them free from being held as slaves in Egypt, it was still going to be a long time before the people of Israel were able to make it back to the promised land. And that's because even though the people of Israel wanted to be able to return to the land that God had promised to them and had promised to their ancestors, once they got there, once they were standing on the cusp of entering their promised land, they got scared. And they got scared because they heard rumors that there were these big bad guys that were waiting for them on the other side of the Jordan River that were going to be there as soon as they entered into the promised land. And those big bad guys were going to beat them up and they were going to steal their lunch money. So the people of Israel were afraid. And because they were afraid, they got stuck. Their fear kept them where they were. Their fear kept them from being who God wanted them to be and doing what God wanted them to do. The people of Israel, as they were stuck, they were stuck because of that fear. And it's like the author Shannon L. Adler has put it. Fear is the glue that keeps you stuck. Fear is the glue that keeps you stuck. And that's exactly what happened for the people of Israel. 
they were afraid of their enemies that were waiting for them on the other side of the Jordan River when they crossed over into the Promised Land. So they got stuck. Their fear kept them where they were. Their fear kept them from being who God called them to be and doing what God called them to do. But all of that's about to change in the story that we're going to be taking a closer look at today. So if you've got a Bible close by, let me encourage you to grab it. Go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 1. Now, inside of the book of Joshua, we're, Joshua, we're going to understand, we're going to hear the story of how the people of Israel were able to overcome their fears, to move forward, to enter into the promised land. And just so you know, we're going to be skipping around a little bit in the early chapters of Joshua today, just so we can kind of understand everything that's happening in this passage. But we're going to get started right now by taking a look at Joshua chapter 1, and we'll start reading in verse 10. So here's what it says. So, so Joshua offered, ordered the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here, and you will go in and take possession of the land that your Lord, your God, is giving you for your own. All right, so in these couple of verses, Joshua tells the people that it's time. It's time for them to pack their bags. It's time for them to get ready. It's time for them to be prepared because they are about to return to the promised land. It's going to happen in just three days. In three days, they're finally going to go back to this land they have been waiting to go back to for hundreds of years. Now I want us to fast forward in the story. I want us to fast forward three days into the story, and I want us to see what happens next. So we'll skip ahead to Joshua chapter 3, and we'll start reading in verse 9. Here's what that says. It says, Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive you out before you, before you, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at a flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away in a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Just like that. Just like that. After the people of Israel had been so afraid of to enter into the promised land that they had been stuck in the wilderness for 40 years, they overcame their fears. They entered into the promised land. But how did that happen? How were the people of Israel able to overcome their fears? How were they able to get moving forward again? How did they get unstuck? Well, if you think back to the verses that we just read, it seems like it took something pretty exceptional for the people of Israel to get unstuck. I mean, for the people of Israel to enter into the Promised Land, God had to cause the waters of the Jordan River to stop flowing so that they could walk across on dry ground. And that's not exactly something that happens every day. That event is pretty exceptional. So is that what it takes for us to overcome our fears? 
Is that what it takes for you to get moving forward again in your life? Is that what it takes for you to get unstuck? Does something exceptional have to happen? Because it's what it took for the people of Israel. God had to cause the water to the Jordan River to stop flowing so they could enter into the promised land and get unstuck. But where does that leave us if that's the case? I mean, if God had to cause a river to stop flowing for the people of Israel to finally go into the promised land, then what's it going to take for you to get unstuck in your personal or your professional life? Because i got to tell you, if we're all standing around here and we're all waiting for some river to stop flowing, we're going to be waiting for a long, long time. So what happened? What allowed the people of Israel to get unstuck? Because i got to tell you, I don't think that it was something exceptional that took place. I think we're having to pause for a second because we're getting some feedback issues going on right here. Let me figure out what's causing it. Do I need to switch to the handheld? All right. I don't know what's going on. We'll see what's happening. So what does it take for the people of Israel to overcome their fears and enter into the promised land? Because i got to tell you, I don't think seems like something exceptional had to take place for the people of Israel to enter into the promised land. But if we have to wait for something exceptional to happen, we're going to be waiting for a long time. So I've got to tell you, I actually think that there is something else that happens inside of that passage that we just read that really helps us understand why it is the people of Israel were finally able to overcome their fears and move forward and get unstuck. But to understand what exactly that is... We need to take a little bit closer look at something that's just kind of casually mentioned in the passage that we just heard. And that's the Ark of the Covenant. Now, if you've spent much time around the church, or if you've even seen an Indiana Jones movie, then you've got some idea of what the Ark of the Covenant is. But just to make sure that we are all on the same page with it, I want to share with you the, the description of the Ark of the Covenant that we find in Exodus chapter 25. So this is how Exodus 25 describes the Ark of the Covenant for us. So what it says, it says, Have them make an Ark of Acacia wood, two and a half cubits long, two and a half wide, or a cubit and a half wide and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold, both inside and out, to make a gold molding around it. Cast four rings for it, fasten them to its four feet with two rings on one side and two rings on the other. Then make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the side of the ark to carry it. The poles are to remain in the rings in this ark. They are not to be removed. Then put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law and the Ten Commandments, which I will give you. Make an atonement cover for the, of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide, and make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the end of, on, of the cover. Make one cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other, and make the cherubim of one piece with the cover and two ends. The cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing with cover, the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other, looking toward the cover. Place the cover on top of the ark and put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law that I will give you. There, above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the covenant law, I will meet you 
and give you all my commandments for the Israelites. All right, so I know there's a lot that's going on in that passage, and a lot of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, because most of us don't know what cubits are. That's okay. But in this passage, basically what we're told is the Ark of the Covenant is a big box. The box is like four feet long, it's two feet deep, it's two feet tall. And the entire thing is completely covered in gold. And then we're told that on top of the ark that there are these statues. There are two statues of cherubim, or angels. And we're told that these cherubim, these angel statues, are supposed to be facing each other. And there's a reason why we're, why they're told to put these cherubim so that they're facing each other. We find that reason in 1 Samuel chapter 4. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, we're told, So the people sent men to Shiloh, and they brought back the ark of the covenant of the Lord, who is enthroned between the cherubim. The Lord Almighty who is enthroned between the cherubim. All right, so did you hear why the cherubim are supposed to be facing each other on the ark? They're supposed to be facing each other on the ark so that they can form a throne for God to sit on. And essentially the way that it works is that their shoulders, their necks, their heads would become God's seat and their wings would be God's armrests. So, the Ark of the Covenant is not just some big golden box. What the Ark of the Covenant really is, is it's a visual representation for the people of Israel that God is going to be with them wherever they go. And it's not just something that the people of Israel realize. The people of Israel aren't the only ones who understand that God is with them wherever they go when they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Because if we skip ahead just a couple of verses in 1 Samuel chapter 4, we're going to see that even Israel's enemies realize that when they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, that God was with the people of Israel. So in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 6, we read, When they, the Philistines, that is Israel's greatest enemy, learned that the Ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. But God has come into the camp, they said, Oh no, nothing like this has happened before. We're doomed. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? They are the gods who stuck the Egyptians, who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. All right, let's take a second here. Let's recap what we've learned about the Ark of the Covenant. <coughs> Excuse me. The Ark of the Covenant, it's a big old box, a couple of angels that are on top of it. But what the Ark of the Covenant really is, is it's a visual reminder for the people of Israel that God is with them ever make up. Now let's think back to the story that we read a little bit earlier on from Joshua chapter 3 about the people of Israel as they were preparing to enter into the promised land. So as the people of Israel are preparing to enter into the promised land, they've been stuck in the wilderness for a long, long time. They've been stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. But they've been there in the wilderness for all those years because they had been afraid of what was waiting for them when they entered into the promised land. They were afraid of the enemies and the armies that were going to be waiting for them as soon as they entered into the land. So their fears were the glue that had them stuck. But all of that changed in that passage when Joshua told them about it. This is how you will know that the living God among you. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. So what Joshua did, 
was he pointed at the Ark of the Covenant. And he reminded the people of Israel what that Ark represented for them. He reminded the people of Israel that God was with them wherever they went. God was with them wherever they went. And that's what the people of Israel needed to hear. That's what the people of Israel needed to hear to overcome their fears. That's what the people of Israel needed to hear to get moving forward again. That's what the people of Israel needed to hear to get unstuck. They needed to hear that God was with them. Or to finish that Shannon L. Alder quote that I mentioned a little bit earlier on in this message, fear is the glue that keeps you stuck. Faith is the salt that sets you free. Fear is the glue that keeps you stuck. But faith is the solvent that sets you free. That's what the people of Israel needed. was a reminder of why they had faith in God. They needed to remember that God would be with them wherever they went. So, when you're feeling stuck, when you're afraid to keep moving forward, God will be with you, that God is with you, wherever you go. And you know, that's an important message that we all need to hear sometimes. Because there are times when all of us feel afraid. There are times when our fear keeps all of us from being able to move forward. There are times when we just get stuck. So it's nice to remember, and we need to remember, that God is with us wherever we go. But this is something that is especially important for us at Melbourne Heights to remember right now. Because like I mentioned earlier in this service, earlier in this sermon, today's our last Sunday here at U of M. Next Sunday, we are moving into our new church home at 11,003 Bluegrass Parkway. And even though we are excited about it, that means that things are going to be changing for us. And whenever you experience change in your life, it's natural to feel a little bit of fear. But remember what we've talked about throughout this message. Fear is the glue that can keep you stuck. So, as we get ready to enter into this new chapter in the story of Melbourne Heights, if we're afraid of what's waiting for us on the other side, it's going to be easy for us to get stuck where we are. It's going to be easy for us to get stuck and to not be able to be who God calls us to be and to do the work and ministry that God calls us to do. It's easy to be afraid. But what we need to remember is that fear will keep us stuck. We have to have faith set us free. So as we get ready to enter into this new chapter in the story of Melbourne Heights, we have to have faith. We have to know that God is with us wherever it is that we go, even if there's not an ark that's leading the way for us. God is with us. God is journeying beside us. And if God is with us, there's no reason step out boldly, trusting that God will lead us to be who he wants us to be and to do what God calls us to do. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, we are thankful for the story that we heard today of how the people of Israel were finally able to enter into the promised land. God, when we look at that story, we think that it took something exceptional for them to be able to overcome their fears. But the reality is it took something 
answering our lead was to remember that you were with them wherever they would go. God, as we get ready to enter into a new chapter in the history of our church, it's easy for us to be afraid because things are going to change. They're going to be a little different for us. But help us remember that it doesn't take something exceptional for us to overcome whatever challenges or obstacles our way. All it takes is trusting that you are with us, that you are guiding us, that you will bring us where we need to be so that we can be who you call us to be and we can do what you call us to do. So God, help us to have faith in you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has reminded you that God is always with us. And if we continue to trust that God is always with us, then we're going to be able to continue to move forward in our lives without ever getting stuck. Well, in our next episode, we're going to continue on in the sermon series, and we're going to keep talking about how it is that we can face fear in our lives. So I hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops next Tuesday morning. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And remember, you don't have to wait till next Tuesday to join us for worship. We would love to have you join us either in person or online every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. If you're here in Louisville, Kentucky, you can come and join us at 11,003 bluegrass parkway or if you're only able to join us online you can worship with us at mhbclouisville.com slash live well until next time i hope that you have a great week i'll be praying for you and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast